Welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. Welcome to uh, another episode of Honest Money. I've got a, a very interesting guest today because uh, he's a he's a techie who likes talking about money. Uh, so so w- w- welcome to Brendan Dale. I just want to um, get get the name of your your blog right because I really like it. Take charge of your money, uh, Brendan. Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, it's only a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So how on earth did you get into the the personal finance space? <laughs> I think it was, I mean, I've always been interested in personal finance and I've always sort of been looking after my money as best I can, although we did have a bit of a, I did have a bit of a detour where I got into lots of debt, but that's a different story. Um, I think for me, the blog started when I was working at a a pension fund um, administrator and I came to realize how little people actually have saved for, for retirement. And when you see people receiving a pension of literally three four hundred rand a month you think wow how how can you actually survive and that that got me thinking to how could i help people and the fact that i personally enjoy admin and looking after my money and sort of figuring out cool ways to save money and yeah it took a while a few years before i sort of ended up on on the current blog but yeah that was the journey okay fantastic and uh and is it something that you that you're trying to turn uh, into a business over time? Is it something that you want to do as a side hustle, or is it kind of just a passion? How does it go from here? It started off purely as a passion. I now see a lot of potential of it becoming a business. Is a strong term. I'm not sure if I would make a living off it, although many people do. But yes, I am certainly trying to drive sort of income generating off the blog and and seeing what I can do from it because there is a there is clearly a huge need for for financial education and just yeah that kind of stuff yeah I I think I agree with you I mean I think uh, the the more people providing quality information and that's my that's why you're on because you do that Mm. Uh, (laughs) uh, the the more people that provide quality information uh, to to our, our people the better because I think that now, there's there are entire generations of South Africans that have had never had exposure to kind of the formal financial sector at all, uh, you know, l- let alone kind of any kind of financial literacy or financial education. So, you know, I encourage you to keep going there and and uh, and keep it up. So, so you've kind of g- given me a few gems that I'd like to talk through already, uh, and and the first one is, uh, so so you've hit a uh, in your life hit a debt problem. How did you get out of that? Sure, <laughs> that was quite a quite a process because I, I feel with debt it's it's one of those weird things you sort of you get a little bit of debt you get a little bit more you don't really realize the extent of it or you don't realize you have a problem until one day you do you know that day when you actually literally have no money left and yeah getting out of it for me it was a very drastic turnaround because I I had no cash flow like I didn't actually have money to buy food or to get electricity things like that I was earning a good salary but it just literally all disappeared into my credit cards and, and debt payments. So for me, the I think the first thing I did is I, I worked out Excel and I just listed 
all the debt I had, like absolutely everything, how much I was paying, what the interest rates were, which ones were in arrears. And I, I kind of prioritized where I needed to to really work immediately just to solve the the arrears and the super high interest rates and things. And it it took probably a year, maybe even a year and a half to actually deal with all the debt. But yeah, it's just working out what you have and, and prioritizing what do you need to do right now. And you you have to take drastic measures. I mean, well, I mean, I did. I, th- I guess it depends where you are in your debt journey. If you if you're not if it's not that desperate, then perhaps you, you don't have to be that drastic. But yeah, I hit this point and I just had to really, really, really stop buying like everything and just focus on getting debt. And you know, after two or three months, I guess I fixed my cash flow, and then it then it becomes easier. Then you get into a cycle of of paying your debts and and dealing with it. Yeah, I think it's uh, th- there's two things to me around uh, around resolving a debt problem. One is a is a almost a behavioral uh, kind of looking in the mirror moment that you have to have, mm. and then the second one is a mechanical thing. You know, uh, literally as you say, listing everything down. But I think a lot of us live in a bit of uh, denial when we've got this debt issue that you know it'll be okay tomorrow. The next paycheck will come, and I'll I'll start to get better next week, next month, next year. Um, and you know, I'll start to save one day. And and as you say, that if you're not focused on this as a, a as an issue, it creeps up on you. Uh, and unfortunately, to me, it feels like something that's you know, it's it's sort of gradually a noose tightening around your neck, and you don't feel the, the early stages. It's just one day you can't breathe anymore. One day you've got no room, mm. uh, and mm. and then all of a sudden uh, you're in in crisis mode. And as you say, then you need to get drastic. Uh, and and I feel it's such a pity that people look at this uh, um, only when they hit that wall. You know, instead of saying early on, "Hang on, you know, I'm I'm starting on a slippery slope that I don't need to go down," uh, and and let me you know let, let me take action now, um, and you know and have a hard look at why I spend money, not just not just what you spend, but why. And and I think a lot of the time it's mindless. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day, and I actually compared debt. Debt in the sort of money terms versus sugar in the diet terms. So when you, we all know sugar is bad for us, but yet it's all around. Wherever you go, there's something that has sugar. If you if you tell someone I'm not eating sugar, it's so limiting, you, you can barely find anything. But we also, you know, we don't check our health issues until, until there's a big issue. And it, it's the same kind of thing. It creeps up on you. It's something you know you need to sort out but you just don't. I mean, that's just a weird human behavior where we have these things that we we know are the right thing, but we choose to ignore it. So, yeah. So uh, I see w- w- one of your blogs is about uh, about a budget. Now, um, I think, I, I, I mean, in the, in the days when we used to be able to talk to large audiences in, in a live setting, I would, I would say the B word, budgeting, and, and I would notice, uh, you know, 50 or 70% of the people falling asleep very quickly. Uh, and it's so frustrating because it's probably the fundamental path to to financial freedom is you know being able mm-hmm. to to kind of control what comes in and what goes out on a, on a monthly basis from your bank account, and so few people do it. So I'm I'm interested to to see if you've got ways for people to do this fairly easily, fairly simply, and 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 you know this is the the um the the kind of instant gratification generation. So it's about how do we make it interesting and exciting at the same time. Yeah, I think for me the first thing is to to stop using the word budget because that it's got such a bad reputation. As you say, people fall asleep, <laughs> people find it restrictive. They think, oh no, you're going to make me stop spending money. And 
So I use the term spending plan. You know, it's it's not really any different, but it's also just for me, it's just planning for the next month, what you're going to do with your money. And it's not even a permanent plan. It doesn't have to be a plan for every month. It's just one month at a time. So I like to think of it as a plan of where my money's going just for the following month and what I'm going to do. And always also just the mindset that it, the budget or the spending plan, it's not there to stop you spending money, but it's there to to help you manage your own money. You know, it's it's your life, your money, your goals. So you need to kind of take charge of it. And uh, to me, a big thing is uh, just the mental sort of shift in in actually deciding, well, actually, I do want to do something about it, and I do want to take charge of the situation. So that's that's the first thing. But then, as far as the practical side goes, you know, there's there's not a lot you can do to make a budget fun. <laughs> Budgets can be boring, although there are quite a few apps nowadays that make it super easy that you can just sort of the transactions will automatically be on your phone. You don't have to physically do admin and stuff. You don't have to spend a lot of time on it. So I, th I think finding the tool that that works for you and also not overcomplicating it. You know, you don't have to have 500 categories and subcategories and sub sub. Just stick to the stick to a few things that make sense to you so that you can see where your money's going and that it kind of is reflective of your lifestyle and the way you think about admin and the way you think about money. And yeah, kind of tweak it as you go along. So I must say for me, the, the one thing that I, I find does work, I, I'm very goal orientated, uh, not in terms of savings goals, but being able to plan for a, uh, one day when we can travel again, but you know, plan for a holiday, uh, you know, a, a plan to, to kind of uh, you know, do the things that, that, that I enjoy. And, and those are hugely motivating for me. So whenever I've got a, a, a goal setting exercise around money, I always start with the one thing that will really excite me to, to kind of make some financial compromises over, over the year, the first thing I'll start doing is I'll plan for the thing that will really excite me. And, and so for me, that's usually a big travel, big trip somewhere. Uh, and, and then I say to myself, right, in order for me to be able to afford that trip, I need to add X money to my long-term savings, X money in the days when I had debt, you know, get, getting the debt down and, and then X money to kind of medium-term goals, whatever those might be. And once I've hit those, I can allocate the rest to my to my fun budget, my holiday budget, my travel budget. And I find, um, you know, uh, you know in, in, a, in a relationship, I mean, I'm married, that for my wife, she's the spreadsheet queen. So she wants to budget mm -hmm. everything to the last cent. Uh, and we, we often hit uh, a kind of a crossroads there until we came up with this way, because then she knows all of our other goals are, are sorted. I know I've got my holiday. Um, and and we're both happy, but but we're also equally both motivated to to stick to what we need to do, and and I find that's probably one thing I would say to people is you know it's, it, you're right it can't be fun but but you can make it motivating you know it's not just about yeah. um, you know save and uh, for for when I'm 55 or save when I'm for when I'm 45 or whatever your financial freedom goal is you can have short term goals that are hugely exciting as well uh, that then offset the exactly. sacrifices you need to make. Definitely. And I think if we're talking about saving, it, it's almost pointless saving if you don't have a, a reason for it, because it, yeah, you're not going to stick to it because there's no, there is no motivation. So yeah, having goals is, is super, super important. And, uh, and, and the other, the other big tip I would give people, if, especially if you struggle a little bit with, uh, with, with self-discipline around money is, uh, you, you know, if you're in a relationship, it should be a joint setup. You know, the, the two of you should hold each other to account uh, and, and the two of you should agree 
on most of the money goals. You don't have to be identical. Everyone's different around money. Uh, but but if you're not, uh, you know, you're not in a in a serious relationship, you know, have a money buddy. You know, it's like running. You know, if you if you have to get up in the middle of winter to to go and meet your running buddy to go actually get on the road and go and run, uh, it's it's really hard to kind of just not get up and 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 stick mm. to the goal because there's someone holding you to account. And and I find uh, you know that kind of behavioral positive peer pressure, I guess, is maybe the way to think of it. That positive peer pressure, you can use the same dynamic in money. You know, I think. South Africa, we've got this great example of stockfills, you know, and to use this sort of stockfill you know, approach to say there are a group of us that have, we're not sharing our money. I'm not saying you need to pool your money like a stockfill, but if you can kind of have a group, you know, um, a group, group mentality can be used in a really positive way as well. So that would be the other thing I'd say to people is, uh, you know, you can make it slightly more social, slightly more fun. If you have a group of you kind of getting together once a month to say, well, I set these goals. You don't have to tell everybody exactly what you earn and what you save and what you spent, but but you can set the goals uh, and then have a group of friends or, uh, you know, one buddy that that kind of holds you to it. And it's really embarrassing, you know, when you haven't met your goal. Uh, and and so that those are the two things I would say is, you know, save for something that's that motivates you. Uh, and 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 then you know if you know you're not going to stick to those goals easily, and and most people don't, uh, you know th that's why not everyone's a marathon runner. Then uh, th then have a have a collective, you know, have a group of people that give you that positive peer pressure. Yeah, no, those are those are super useful. I'm also, if I could change the subject ever so slightly, I'm sure. in a bit of a odd situation where my my partner hates budgeting and <laughs> he's really not not good at managing money. So. In our relationship, we we have me on the one hand who's who loves Excel and budgets and saving, and then my partner who just sort of money comes and goes, and that also creates quite a quite an interesting dynamic in the in the relationship. And I think what one thing I've done to circumvent any issues is is I've kind of I've taken charge of of the conversations around an emergency fund and around one specific, it happens to be a, a travel savings fund. We, we've just set these up and I've, I've given him goals and we've sort of discussed it, come to an agreement. And at least I know those two aspects of his finances are covered because it, yeah, money in relationships can be quite a, quite a tricky area to cover. Uh, I mean, I th you hit the nail on the head. I think the two biggest uh, kind of factors that, that that cause breakdowns in relationships, long-term relationships, um, money and 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 children, uh, and, and sometimes they go together, right? And and so you know, if you can if you can create a, a kind of a unified team around money, and and you find a way for it to work with both of your strengths and weaknesses, it's a huge help. Mm. You know, if you look at uh, uh, if you look at the the the, I'm not talking about the world's wealthiest people because they, you know they, they're um, they're the exception, and I always think you know hugely lucky as well. But if you look at people that have achieved financial independence over long periods of time, it's usually an economic uh, um, union. It's you know it's two people working together to two goals. And I'm not saying you know in your example, for example, it, it doesn't need to be two people that are kind of spreadsheet you know uh, um, you know focused. I was about to use a rude word there because I, I don't like spreadsheets, but uh, but you know not attached to spreadsheets only. You can have very different ways of looking at things. But but if you can find a union of of of, of way of working together that complements both of your strengths and weaknesses, it's a huge help to to kind of that long term financial freedom. And equally, if you work against each other, you know, where one's always hiding, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, they say, I don't want my partner to know 
my financial yeah. affairs. I don't want them to know how much my debt is because it's, they'll be really upset with me. You know, that, that problem just compounds and just gets you know, yeah, huge. Yeah, that, that's a dangerous problem, definitely. Yeah. So um, I, I always want to know from our guests, uh, you know, if you had to jump back to your you know, 18 or 21-year-old self with the knowledge that you have today, what, what would be the one thing that you'd want to, want to tell yourself around, around money? Sure. I think there would be two things. Well, the one, the one is I wouldn't have invested with a, a very dodgy um, financial advisor who gave me some awful products. Uh, but luckily, I solved those a few years later. But I, I think I would, I would definitely have started um, investing far earlier. And I think I would have told myself that money, managing money and actually growing wealth is not as hard as, as people make it out to me. It's actually a lot simpler, and a, a lot of it has to do with with habits and mindset, and and you can also sort of educate yourself, read books and blogs and whatever. You can you can really learn this stuff. You you can become rich. You can become wealthy. Whereas when I was eighteen years old, it it just seemed impossible. So I think yeah, I would definitely have a chat about that. I think you make a, a brilliant point there. You know, so many people are mystified by the world of money. And I think the financial services industry is very good at making it seem like a hugely complex, uh, you know, field, you know, whether it be the asset managers, the stockbrokers, the financial planners, the insurance companies, you know, they, they, they do a very good job of making it seem like an enormously complex uh, you know, way of doing things. Uh, and and I think a lot of the time when you meet the people that have achieved financial freedom, you know, they're not they're not all rocket scientists. They're not all um, you know investor um, geniuses themselves. They they often apply a great deal of common sense, uh, a fair amount of discipline, and they're and they're consistent. You know, and and, and lots of people have achieved financial freedom entirely on their own. Uh, without help from from anywhere. I mean, that, that's not to say that uh, some people don't need help, but that doesn't mean you have to outsource everything to to an advisor or an asset manager. You know, you you need to know that when things go wrong in life around your money, the only person that's actually going to suffer is you, and therefore you have to take control. You have to know what's going on. You can use outsiders and and you know if you want, but just know that. You know, they might earn a bit less money from you if things go wrong, but you'll be the one that won't have a, a home and a house and, uh, you know, a roof over your head is what I was looking for. But, yeah. but, but, you know, to outsource all of the responsibility for your money to someone else doesn't make sense. I feel that's reckless. So I think you make a great point there. Yeah, and no, no one actually cares about your money as much as, as you do. Unless, of course, they want to get your money. But, yeah. but you know, ultimately, it's, it's, your, it's your money and your responsibility. So you need to, you need to know what's going on there. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and, and it's, uh, a lot of the time, we, we're embarrassed to say we don't know about money. And that's also you know, something I think people, people should give up, that, that, you know, that embarrassment. It's, it's perfectly fine to tell someone, I don't understand what you're saying. Can you please explain it a different way? Or can you tell me more? And, and you know, to, to be not bullied, but almost shamed into making decisions because you're embarrassed to, to, to ask people for more information is, is, is really not a good idea. I think you know, I always think, you know, if you're, if someone's explaining something to you about money and, and they haven't explained it so that you can understand, the, the problem lies with them, not with you. And, and you know, either you get them to explain or you find someone else to explain it to you. Uh, and, and always, you know, I mean, the, the, there's so much quality information nowadays that's available free. Uh, and, 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 you know, I mean, if, you're, if you don't have the money to buy, um, you, know, you know, financial education, you can certainly get a lot of it online, mm. uh, you know, wh whether it's podcasts, whether it's blogs, it doesn't matter. I think, you, you know, there's a lot uh, out there that we, we can access already. 
Uh, and, and I feel that that's something we should have responsibility for. Is that take responsibility to educate yourself and then control your money. As you say, the only person that suffers at the end of the day is you if you don't have control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we're, 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 out, we're out of time, Brendan. Thanks so much for, for joining. It's uh, been great to have you on the show. I'm, 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 I was hoping to kind of create some controversy, but I think you and I have a lot of alignments around the way money works. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm sorry uh, we, we couldn't come up with some good uh, feisty debates there, but, but uh, I look forward to reading your blogs in the future and, and, uh, and please keep it up. Cool. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's been a good chat. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.